They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. Make my laugh. We did it within the first couple of seconds. Um, God damn it! Hello, this is uh, <coughs> this is bantering the blue shirts on Monday. There's a couple of things. First of all, um, no, we did not plan this this way. Uh, Mike cannot do this Wednesday. Beth could not do tomorrow. The Rangers play tomorrow, and Friday uh, would have been too late to do. So no, we did not know that the Rangers were going to be in a two-zero hole when we decided to do this podcast. No, this will not be a positive podcast. Deal with it. Um, Before we get into any of that, I would like to tell you that this show is sponsored by Blue Apron. These are happier thoughts. Blue Apron is, as you well know, because you listen to this show, a website and a service that provides food to you for dinner. You literally order whatever you want off of their weekly menu, and they bring you fresh, delicious food and every ingredient except for salt. I'm pretty sure they don't give you salt. They give you everything else, though. Um, if you go to blueapron.com slash blueshirt, you will get three free meals with free shipping. I will buy them for you. And by I will buy them for you, I mean that code will buy them for you. Blueapron.com slash blueshirt. Uh, it will be nice to cook for your significant other or for yourself with the uh, incredible home-cooked meals and delicious fresh ingredients that are picked for you. You don't have to go shopping. We talked about this. Adam is a terrible shopper. I think Mike is a pretty good shopper. Beth, I'm sure, is a good shopper. She has two children. She has to be. Um, I'm not a good shopper. I go to Stop and Shop, and then I just buy cookies, and I come home, and I don't have anything for food. But then there's a Blue Apron box, (laughs) and it has stuff inside of it that I can cook with. So um, they deliver to 99% of the United States. If you are in the 99%, you will be very happy. If you're in the 1%, You'll probably feel a lot like the Rangers do right now, and that's not a good thing. Um, so blueapron.com slash blueshirt, I will buy you three free meals, and that will be awesome. You'll get to eat delicious. Who knows? Let's see. They give us some beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice, baked spinach and egg flatbreads with sautéed asparagus and lemon aioli. You get, the, you, get, you get the picture. Just like the movies. That's what movie stars eat. Um, yeah. This show is also brought to you by Patreon. Patreon.com slash BlueShirtBanter. You should go and you should donate because that means you are helping the show. When Mike and Beth talk, you will hear them speak delicately in the words of Skype. 
uh, and they will sound better. Anthony Viola, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forlenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, Armael Kissinger, Zachary Zetlin, Igor Zatlovsky, and Arch Williams have all donated, which means they are better than you are. Oh, and uh, Mehdi Ogre also. That's our newest Patreon. That's right. An ogre. Mehdi Ogre. God, I hope I'm I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. If I'm not, then I am a jerk. Um, Anywho, the Rangers. This is not a positive podcast. Um... Oh, God, I have so many thoughts. There's so many things. Let's – did we do predictions? We did do predictions, right? Nobody had the Senators winning, correct? No. Okay, good. So we're all immediately wrong. Um, all right, let's ask this question first. Before we dig into whatever the hell it was that happened uh, in Game 2, and I do kind of want to talk about Game 1 as well, but uh, on a, a different – scale than what we're going to end up weighing the stones of judgment for game two. Uh, do we think the Rangers are going to come out like bats out of hell and actually win tomorrow, Tuesday, game three, for those of you who are listening on the archive? Uh, you may know the answer to that question, actually, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Or are they going to come out flat like they did against Montreal? Michael, we will begin with you. Well, they don't really have any other choice other than to wake up. Uh, I know in you know, the Canadian series, Game 3 was the Rangers' worst game, probably. So, um, you know, I think hopefully they put the whatever home ice demons they had to bed already. But I, you know, just with what we've seen, especially uh, just an hour before we're doing the podcast, Dan Rosen uh, of NHL.com just wrote a piece about Vino is contemplating uh, rotating glass in for for Buchnevich and all those things that you know, you know, putting more holes in a sinking ship uh, approach to winning hockey games. So um, I don't really know what to expect. I do expect them to turn around just because I think there's enough there's enough leadership on the team. There's enough guys that are you know that don't want to go down without a fight that I think the Rangers are going to, you know, take, you know, they're not going to get swept is my prediction. Um, I hope that's not a foolhardy prediction, but yeah, it's, it's really not where anyone expected the Rangers to be. So being behind the eight ball this early in the series is surprising and disappointing. And obviously it has, uh, plenty of fans and writers and analysis, you know, analysts asking a lot of questions about the decisions Vino is making. But before I jump into all that, I'll let Beth say things. Beth, make words good. Um, yeah, I, I've said this on Twitter, but you know, when they're playing against their own coach, how good can they be when it's not their, you know, I mean, how much better could Brady Shea have been? He couldn't have been any better. I mean, yeah, I think he had one bad turnover, but, you know, the two goals kind of made up for it. I don't know, I thought. And, you know, just great defense, great offense, a solid pair. Nobody can seem to, and as far as I can tell, uh, Sean Hartnett's the only guy asking the direct question. No one can figure out why they got stapled to the bench at the end of the game, Smith and Shea. And... When that's the sort of 
choices your coach is making, I, I can imagine that to sort of keep your head in the game as a team gets more difficult. I just, I honestly can't imagine how they receive those decisions. Um, mm. Because, you know, again, this isn't, this isn't fancy stats. Two goals aren't fancy stats. Um, time on ice is not a fancy stat. And it's, it's I test it every single test. There's no reason for it. And so on one hand, I agree with Mike that this is a team that has heart, has turned it around before, would not be surprised if they turned it around again. But wow, when they're being undermined from their own bench, um, when their head coach is making inexplicable choices, um, and has anyone, I mean, I'll just throw that back to you. Has anyone offered, I mean, there was A.V.'s own ridiculous explanation that, that for some reason he had judged Shea and Smith wanting. Has any analyst offered a credible explanation for that choice on his part? No, and here's the thing. He didn't even judge necessarily Brady and Smith wanting he just lost them. He admitted to losing them on the bench, which, uh, for the life of me, I don't understand how that's possible. And, and let's make something abundantly clear here. There was a lot of John Tortorella in, in Vigneault in Game 2, the Buchnevich and Lindbergh getting six minutes of ice time. If you want to make the argument that Buchnevich had a ghastly turnover in the first period, fine, but when Dan Girardi throws the puck across the ice to nobody and it leads to a goal, well, why isn't he sitting? Because you don't sit players for one mistake normally. I don't even know what Lindbergh did. I can't even begin to take guesses at it. But Mike brought up the point in the story. It's an 82-minute hockey game, and you have two players that played six minutes, less than six minutes. It doesn't make sense. And if you watch the game-winning goal in overtime – Stefan is quite literally tongue out, exhausted, trying to get back and get into the play. And he can't. Oh, and by the way, the whole reason why they were in overtime in the first place was because, once again, Vigneault didn't play. Shea and Smith down the stretch the last five minutes. Hold an install on the ice again for another big goal against. Girardi leaving McDonough out in the wilderness on the game-tying goal. And then Holden pinches and the puck comes back the other way and the game's over. You win and lose on such a fine margin in the NHL, and it is even more pronounced in the playoffs, that to lose your best defenseman, to lose your best defensive pairing, and that to be your reason that you lost them is absolutely inexcusable. And Wait, let's no, just, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Well, he lost I, I them? Where it, did he lose them? someone posted a great comment on the site that was like, he was looking up and down the bench and he's like, God, there's only four defensemen here. I could swear that there were six defensemen. And it really is kind of like that. What do you do? And if you're Smith and Shea, what do you think when you see something like that? How do you not lose Holden in the rotation? And here's the other thing. You don't have to play the pairs the way that they start the game. You don't have to play. You know what you can do if you really want to? Do like McDonough Shea, <laughs> and maybe you can do Smith Stahl or even Smith Girardi. You don't have to do Stahl Holden Girardi McDonough. 
or run three defensemen down the stretch. I don't know. The Rangers made their bed by having defensemen. And let, let me make something really clear here, too. Dan Girardi has not been the problem. He, I mean, he's been much more of an issue in this series than he was against Montreal. But this is not even Dan Girardi that we're talking about here. This is Stahl Holden. And how much evidence do you need to know that something's not working? And the media who, outside of Hartnett, nobody seems to ask any questions or care. They mock people who even dare ask questions. They talk about how Clendenning's played his last game. You, you tell me how it's any different. Seriously. Look up and down this lineup and tell me how it's any different. And explain to me how you can blame A.V., or excuse me, as Larry Brooks penned, you're not allowed to blame A.V., but you are allowed to say that players weren't good enough. So then who do you blame for those players who aren't good enough playing crunch time minutes in a game? Fate? Random? Does Vigneault just point at things and they just happen? No, he puts this together. And I have a sinking feeling that his solution is going to be we're going to leave the defense the same and we're going to replace Buchnevich with Glass, and that's going to be the end of that. And that doesn't solve any problems. But this defense has not been good enough. I don't care that they lost game one, two to one. Lundqvist stood on his head. Uh, Lundqvist, uh, a lot of people are blaming him for game two. I am in utter shock. You can maybe put two of those six goals on him. Maybe. One of them you definitely can. The very first goal should have never happened. The rest of them, odd man rushes, guys in front of the net with all types of space and time. What is he supposed to do? You can't be a miracle forever. You really can't. And, and the Rangers are just wasting away these opportunities. I am, if they would have went out, I, I know I'm rambling here and I apologize, but there's just too much <laughs> venom to get okay. out. Okay, get it out. If, if they would have lost to Montreal, I would have put my hands up and said, you know what? They lost to a better team. Montreal beat them. So be it. We kind of knew the Rangers weren't really going all that far this year. We kind of had a feeling that that was going to be the case. They got outmatched. But they didn't. When he put an all-skill lineup together, they beat Montreal. I'm sorry. I have been yelled at consistently these two games about how I'm not giving the Senators enough credit. The Rangers have absolutely no business losing this series. I am sorry. They are a better team than the Ottawa Senators are, even if they're not playing like it. And... Like George said that we referenced last show, Jekyll and Hyde Rangers, the Rangers can very easily lose to this team. They are showing you how, but the New York Rangers should not lose this series. They should not be down to nothing in this series. And if the Rangers do pull it out and find themselves and win this series, it's going to be a lot more about the team that they're playing than what's about in that room, even though that's going to be the narrative that's going to get run left and right. And whatever. That's just talk because I'm now angry. No, I was already angry. I haven't come out of all caps yet, frankly. I know that uh, at least one person out there is just waiting for me to shriek. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe the depression, maybe the other stages of grief are setting in or something, and I don't have a scream in me, although I don't promise anything. But um, I, <laughs> all I can think of is how we really thought we'd turned a corner, um, you know, in game four of the last series. We, we thought, you know, the all the planets were finally in alignment and A.V. had figured things out that we'd all figured out months ago. But, you know, hey, whenever, better late than never. Oh, and so much is going to depend on who ends up out on the ice tomorrow night. I am not going to be watching. I'm not even going to be able to look at my phone because I'm going to be at a Broadway show. And, and frankly, you know what? I'm thankful because I don't know if I could handle it. I really don't. 
Um, because who the hell knows who what the lineup is going to look like tomorrow night and what AB is going to take from what anyone would think would have been easily solvable, if not self-created problems. I don't know. I really don't know. Mike? Uh, I reiterate your I don't know. Um, uh, the thing I have a big problem with is, I know it's kind of, you know, backtracking a little bit, is when Jesper Fast scores a goal in a playoff game or in the regular season, Vino's response is, top six minutes for Jesper Fast. He works so hard. He does so good. When Brady Shea has two goals in a game as a defenseman, um, both were huge goals, uh, by the way. Vino loses track of him. He forgets that he has a guy who's one of the only reasons the Rangers got to overtime, despite the wheels falling off, you know, in a chaotic, horrible mess. Um, I really have made a point to never say things like Vino is a bad coach. Um, and I go out of my way to say things like, you know, he knows things we don't know because that's true. But it's very, very hard to look at these decisions. And, of course, it's easy when, you know, the the results are so negative. You know, the team is losing to, as Joe said, it's, the Rangers have no business losing this series. It's Everyone knew, knows that. I think Ottawa, in many ways, knew that heading into the series. But it's, you know, Larry Brooks and others can write that, you know, the blame has to fall on the players, but it's the coach who chooses when guys are on the ice. And having, you know, going with Stahl Holden and, you know, giving Girardi and, you know, Kevin Hayes, giving Kevin Hayes the defensive zone time in with, you know, under two minutes left in the third period, none of those things are good decisions. Um, it wouldn't be a good decision if Hayes had looked good in the playoffs, but I think we can all agree that he's kind of been a bit of a ghost. I don't know where Kevin Hayes has gone, but he's really not playing third line for the Rangers right now. Uh, I want to try to give Vino the benefit of the doubt, but I'm afraid he's kind of wasted all of my patience and you know wasted all of my, oh, we'll see. Just because you look at these, this continued lack of kind of enlightenment, and we know he has his own stats, he has his own way of analyzing the game, and that he's you know been successful enough to stick around the NHL this this long. So there there's something to what he does, but when everyone else is pointing to, hey, this is not smart, and you continue to point to a method that has had you know frankly. Someone, I think we can say mixed success. You know, who's making the mistakes here? Is it the players or is it the coach? I really can't say anything other than he's done a really, really bad job coaching in the series. It was not great against Ottawa. I mean, against Montreal. It got better when he decided to go with Buchnevich. But punishing Lindbergh and Buchnevich, it's just... You know, it's an 82-minute, 54-second game, and you're purposefully rolling with 10 forwards. Even from the perspective of, you know, those guys committed a felony on the ice, and 
you just have to keep an eye on them before the police show up. You know, you can't do that. You can't shortchange your bench and ask your other 10 forwards to play that much hockey. It's crazy. What kind of so, a felony would be acceptable to continuing them to play on the ice? Graham larceny? Is that a felony? It has to be, right? I don't know. I I always always remember remember that Chara hit on Pacioretty where uh, yeah, the Montreal the police cops. showed up. Yeah, like you know, in that sort of case where you know the police are waiting, maybe it's not a good idea to send a player out there. But Oscar Lindbergh is perfectly adequate in the defensive zone in overtime. He's that's fine. I want Oscar Lindbergh on the ice. Has anyone seen how Oscar Lindbergh has played in the playoffs? He's been great. What has Buchnevich done? What he, what he had? To, I think one registered giveaway in that game, like Joe pointed out, a turnover in the uh, the first period. What was he doing when he wasn't doing that? Being good, Buchnevich. So, I wa- I really wish we had a way to understand what's going on with Vigneault and how he's processing things. But even you know in the Rosen piece that went up, you know he said he's going to talk to Gorton and talk to his other coaches and kind of come to a decision and you know he says he's he's really thinking about a lot of things all at once right now and this does not sound like a confident coach that knows what he's doing a coach should be a guy who knows what his options are and sticks to his guns and says yeah i made a mistake here or this wasn't good enough not a guy who says all right you know uh, buchnevich i'm sorry we're not going to use you um despite everything in the world of logic saying that I should. So I know we're just kind of handing off from rant to rant here, but I guess I'm going to lateral this rant into someone else's hands. It's, it's not, it's not the worst idea in the world to get the input of your general manager. It's not the worst idea in the world to talk to the coaches and figure out what's going on. And probably more often than not, that happens behind closed doors and, Dan Rosen and I actually had a conversation about that on Twitter that was far more polite than I, I thought it was going to be, um, just based on some of the ways that he's reacted to some of my ideas of how things should be working. But um, I, I, to your point, Mike, I read it a lot more of, well, I don't know what to do than I just want to see what they have to say. Because at this point, you should have used the regular season to figure out what it was you were going to do at this point in the first place. And you saw that you got past Montreal by utilizing speed and skill. And here's the other aspect of this that I think is overlooked but very important. Ottawa utilizes a neutral zone trap. If you, if you see it, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fighting off some type of thing. Um, if you see it in writing, it's a 1-3-1, which means one forward, four checking, three guys clogging up the neutral zone, and one defense in back. You don't break the trap with a guy like Tanner Glass. You don't break the trap by throwing hits. As much as people tell you, oh, you break the trap by throwing it in deep and going to get the puck, it is far easier to do long stretch passes and set plays and work your way through the neutral zone. That's how you break the trap. And even if you do want to dump and chase, it's not about hitting. It's about getting there first. It's about speed. So the Rangers would be shooting themselves in the foot in two different ways. The first way would be, um, we're not playing our best players. The second way would be, um, we're not going to be able to break down what Ottawa does best. And the most inexcusable part about all this is when the Rangers were protecting the lead, Ottawa runs the trap 
all the time. That is their preferred methodology. It, it's a lot like what the Rangers were like when Torts was around. Grind in the neutral zone, force the puck in the corners, try to be as counterattack initiated as you can, and don't open the game up more than you have to. When the Rangers went up by two twice, Ottawa needed to open the game up. And when Ottawa opens the game up, they leave themselves unbelievably unprotected at the back. And the Rangers did nothing about it. And they sat back, and they made mistakes, and they lost the game. And and it's infuriating because you finally get a few pucks past Craig Anderson, who's been very good this series. Even I don't think he was all that much at fault for, for a couple of goals for sure, but than Henrik was in game two. And you don't even, you you can't win the game. To put glass in, like, for a spark, that doesn't signify anything to me. And if you really need a spark, the spark that you need is with Miller. The spark that you need is with Hayes. I think Crowder is going to come on strong now that he got the goal. But Miller has easily been the Rangers' worst forward. And I was not anticipating dealing with something like that going into the playoffs. So why did he get Albert not that much leash, but quite a bit more? He played almost 16 minutes. And Buchnevich and Lindbergh get nothing. I, I don't understand. And nobody understands. And outside of Sean Hartnett, nobody's asking the question. So I, I get that you're not going to just throw Vigneault to the wolves and sit there and answer all these questions. But, like, it has to become a story when these questions stop being answered. It has to become a story when nobody knows what's going on. And the answer can't be, oh, let's try what didn't work already. You don't have time. The Rangers literally have no room for error right now. The margin of error is zero. They cannot lose game three. They almost can't even lose game four if they win game three. But uh, I don't understand how you can look at what happened and say, ah, you know what, the defense is going to remain exactly the same and we're just going to make some changes on offense. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. And Beth, just a comment on the point you made. I am perfectly fine with the argument that Vigneault is a good but flawed coach. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Vigneault is a bad coach. I don't think Vigneault is a bad coach. But I think Vigneault's flaws sink the ship more often than not. And if you want to defend him after what you saw in Game 2, so be it. But the question when you're a team looking for a Stanley Cup that desperately needs a Stanley Cup, the question is not, is he a good coach? The question is, is he the right coach? And that I don't think Vigneault is. Um, Beth, your thoughts on that? When you say he uses his own stats, what are we talking about? Like, where do you get your own stats? Are they, well, are they secret? Are they, what is he counting that, that other people don't have <laughs> access to? They, and just to comment on what Beth is talking about, Vigneault employs his, you know, his own coaches, obviously, his own statistical people, whatever, that count their own stats. So by conventional measures, you may say, oh, the Rangers were negative 15 scoring chances in that game all in. Vigneault may see it as their plus three. There was a game that kind of tipped us off a year ago where, Vigneault talked about how, uh, God, I don't remember who it was, but someone had generated, you know, three or four scoring chances, the line had. And by every other method, every other methodology, they had done nothing, nothing of the sort. So that's more or less what I brought that up when we were talking about 
Vigneault and his own statistics because, uh, again, like these beat reporters seem to make take every opportunity they have to denounce fancy stats. And uh, the New York Post writer, Brett, oh God, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I'm not even going to try. The guy who got fixed out by Dan Boyle um, made a comment that, you know, can you imagine if Vigneault was analytically driven or something when Vigneault was talking about the statistics they use? And I, I found it funny because he does use his own statistics and I'm sure the method of him using them is very similar to the way that we calculate the data as stat nerds, quote unquote, but his are different than the conventional means because so are we he, then these to things assume that the world that doesn't want to see. He has a stat in which Holden and Stahl make sense or are we, or are we, what? that may be a combination of a stat that he has in the eye test. I'm sure. Yeah. I just honestly I, I don't. I can't imagine it's not. The problem I have with that is that Holden and Stahl, in game two, Holden was on ice for three goals against, Stahl for two goals against. Um, McDonough and Girardi were on the ice for three goals against, but McDonough was on the ice for two goals for. Like, these are not fancy stats. These are, oh, this is what yeah. happens when these guys are on the ice. It's, uh, it, I mean, there's a lot more to the game than plus minus, which is, this is just like a rough version of that. But there's an undeniable trend that, you know, that pairing doesn't work. In game one, we saw that pairing get third-minute pairing, or third-pair uh, time on ice, but... In game two, that was not the case, which was really, it really hurts my brain because, like what Beth said at the top of the podcast, what more did Brady Shea have to do? I Did he have to crap out a first-round draft pick? I mean, I don't know <laughs> what more he could have done. Away, to, so it just, yeah, it just, <laughs> he had all playoffs long. He's been amazing. It's been He's been right on par with how good and how important McDonough has been. And, I mean, I, I just don't understand what measurement you could be using. I mean, you know, we see, you know, very reputable uh, analytics and stats people like Dmitry Filipovich and others point out just how awful Girardi, Holden, and Stahl are at zone exits, and they're terrible. And when you go up against a team like Ottawa, that employs the trap, like Joe says, they look even worse because it's just a trap for players like that who can't make that controlled zone exit. They just don't have that skill set. Whereas you have guys like McDonough, Shea, and Smith who can do those things. But we have McDonough with an anchor on him, Girardi, and then we have Shea and Smith seeing 20 minutes of ice time in an 83-minute playoff game. And all that boils down to for me is a coach that doesn't know what he's doing and, or he doesn't know what he has. But the problem with that second explanation is we're a little too far down the road here for Vigneault to understand what he has with Shea or Smith. Um, And if it's a option of like, Oh, pick your poison. Do you put Holden and stall in the third pair and just know that's going to be the bad pair? Sure. That's not, you know, that's not ideal, but it's not a terrible. But the problem is he's giving them second second pair ice time. And we saw what Ottawa's third line and Pajot, who now has, you know, meals at restaurants in Ottawa named after him, was able to do. 
It just when you make mistakes in playoff games, you pay the price. And it's not always Holden and Stahl's fault. I mean, it's quick. It's easy to say, oh, you know, blankety blank Holden and Stahl. But why are they on the ice in these in these situations with the game on the line and the clock winding down? I understand we can't, you know, staple another set of lungs onto McDonough and just ask him to play 40 minutes of ice, but you can't put bad players or mediocre players in a position to fail and then blame the players. You blame the guy who puts them out there, who taps their shoulder. The end of the day, all of that falls on Vigneault's shoulders. So I get, I don't know, I, I wish we understood the thought process of why he makes those decisions and why he just doesn't, he just doesn't seem to care about what he has with Brady Shea. And it's maddening, but you know, I don't. I don't think we're ever going to get that answer uh, for the rest of these playoffs. The thing is, too. I mean, everyone. When people argued about Vigneault's coaching style, part of the argument for his style was always, "Well, you know, look how, look how Hayes and Miller responded positively. You know, he benched them, or mm. he punished them, or he sat them in the corner and." <laughs> blossomed and whatever it was happened. It's Look really at the now. worst argument of all time. It really is the worst argument. It of is all the time. worst argument, but it's not, it's not even holding its fake water anymore. That made no sense. Yeah. Um, but you see what I mean? I like mean, the butter, off of them are, yeah, butter off exactly. a duck. Yeah, exactly. They're certainly don't seem to be showing signs of having been well coached right now. I don't know what they're showing signs of personally, but that's a whole other story. But you know, so if that was what people were holding up as his method, you know, delivering results, even that's fallen apart now. So, boy. The second part of, of what you said, Mike, about Vigneault, I think is true. I don't think this is a matter of Vigneault not – I don't think it's a matter of Vigneault not being a, a great coach, but more of a matter of him not understand. I think – Vigneault is doing what he thinks will win them hockey games. That's the problem. It, you're right. It's, he doesn't know what he has. And that was what got him kicked out of Vancouver. He was a regular season king in Vancouver. And we're seeing some of that now in New York as well. But what do you do? And I guess that's the question I'm going to pose to you guys. And, and Beth, we can start with you. And then, Mike, you can... Uh, jump into this nearly impossible question. What do the Rangers have to do to turn this series around? And how much of that falls on the coach? At this point, I almost want to say it it doesn't all fall on the coach. Um, Agreed. It also doesn't all fall on Henrik Lundqvist. Um, There are some people out there who, could be delivering a little more. I'm never, I'm never going to be the one who says that players aren't trying because that, that, that narrative really doesn't make sense to me. They're professionals. Um, but there's definitely players for whom things aren't working. Um, for Miller and Hayes, things aren't working right now. If they were producing, that could be making up for whatever nonsense Vigneault is indulging himself in with the defense. Um, but, you know, I go back to something I said you know what I don't even remember when I said it but I was pretty pleased about it which was that he's got to coach the team on his bench not the team in his head and 
Um, you know, I, I kind of stick with that. I think something we've been saying for a long time on this podcast is that, you know, eh, or maybe it's just been me. That's fine, too. You know, it, it's like he's trying to build something that he doesn't have the pieces for, but he refuses to change his mind and build something else. Um, and I don't know why Tanner Glass is, is clearly one of his favorite pieces or an important piece to him in a way that doesn't make sense to us with, again, no offense to Mr. Glass. Um so yeah, I don't I don't really know what to hope for at this point except everyone having the game of their lives and canceling out whatever strange choices Vigneault makes tomorrow night. I don't know. Michael. I think it's hard to say. Like uh, at the end of the day, it's I find it hard to believe the Rangers are going to get swept just because there are guys, you know, like like Nash on the team, like Zuccarello, you know, like McDonough, like Hank and Stepan, these guys who we've seen them go through so many battles before and we've seen them come up short, you know, against the Penguins and against, you know, other teams and big games. And, but they really never looked, you know, these are not guys who you would count among like, Oh, he didn't show up or he looked meek or, you know, what have you. I think, that alone gives me hope that, you know, someone in the locker room will, you know, throw a can of, you know, maybe find that giant thing that Dubinsky spiked all those years ago and throw that across the room and just try to wake everyone up because Ottawa, this series against Ottawa presented the Rangers with an opportunity to to get to the Eastern Conference final with a path of pretty low resistance. Um, and that can still be the case. The difference now is the Rangers need to figure out how to beat a team that I think most people would agree they're better than. This is a team that the Rangers should beat. Going down 0-2 is not the the best way to, to, to get there, but this will be a very useful you know, way to figure out and kind of like a crucible of which players on this team will make that difference in the near future. And I'm hoping we do see guys like Miller and Hayes, uh, Kreider, you know, the younger guys that the team is invested in step up because this is what we need from those players. We need those guys to show up. Um, I don't think it's entirely on Vino because at the end of the day, the guys on the ice have to do things, but a lot of this has to fall on him because these are coaching blunders. I mean, even if we forget everything else and we just, you know, put, you know, take out the highlighter and drag it across the line, you know, I lost track of them for one of his three defensive pairs. Um, when you have three of something, it's it's a little unforgivable to lose track of one of them, uh, especially in a playoff <laughs> game, especially a playoff game that goes to two overtimes. But, I know we've been over that a hundred times. I just still can't get over that. Um, I I look to guys like Hank and Nash and the rest because they're the guys who get paid, you know, a lot of money. They're the guys who are the leaders on this team. They've gotten the team through spots like this before. I don't know what New York Rangers team will see in game three, but it cannot be the team that let, all those two goal leads slip away and it cannot be the team that just, you know, 
scored two shorthanded goals and scored five goals and found a way to lose. Because really, that's what happened with the Rangers. They found a way to lose that game. Um, I'm optimistic only because of how of how deep the Rangers still look stacked up to Ottawa, so long as you know Pajot hasn't transcended into you know a greater life form at this point. But uh, <laughs> I definitely he's have trying. my nerves. I, I, yeah, he, yeah, he's pretty much there. I know he's missing a tooth, but um, maybe he traded that tooth in some sort of deal with the devil. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think there's a lot of guys on the team that need to kind of get their act together. Vino is one of them. Um, I know I've mentioned a lot of the other ones before, but this is really the time of the playoffs where it's, it's time now. You know, we're, we're in the second round. We're down 0 to two. The time for stupid penalties is over the time for, Oh, I panic with the puck, even though I'm a veteran NHL defenseman that was once an all-star. Um, but I'm going to turn it over. Those mistakes can't happen. You've seen the trap before. You know what to do. You know, we, these are not things that are beyond anyone's ability. And that goes up and down the lineup, no matter how quickly we criticize some of these players. These guys are capable of doing this. It's just a matter of them putting it all together and figuring it out. I feel like it is worth saying that Vigneault is not the only person here who needs to get better. Uh, we'll yeah. give Kreider a, a single-game pass because of his game against Ottawa in, in Game 2. JT Miller cannot be as bad as he's been. Kevin Hayes cannot be as bad as he's been. Um, and those are two enormous parts of the offense that are just missing. And we're not even talking about generating chances, but not putting the puck in the back of the net. We're talking about not really doing much of anything. And Hayes had his moments against Montreal. Miller has not had his moments against anyone. There's nothing Vigneault can do about that. You can make an argument that Vigneault could try to adjust the pairs so that there's a little bit more offensive ability with Miller, but even so, that's, uh, Vigneault is an entire team to worry about, and apparently that's a very big deal because he's losing players on the bench even though they're right in front of him. Where Vigneault <laughs> needs to be better is he needs to put players who are going to succeed into positions where they can succeed. Buchnevich getting five minutes a night, Lindbergh getting five minutes a night, that's not how it works. That's not okay. Giving Holden and Stahl opportunity after opportunity, even though they have proven they are not capable of handling said opportunity, is not okay. It's not the way that it works. So that's where Vigneault needs to be better. And if you don't want to criticize him and you, you want to say he's done everything right and it's all on the players, you know what? By all means, do you. I, I can't. Whatever. We're talking about two different games then. So be it. But I am not at all of the mind that this is just something the Rangers need to do better, that they can snap their fingers and suddenly everything's going to be okay. Because as much as Vigneault says the Rangers have played well, I don't think the Rangers have played well. But I think they've played good enough to win. And they've won no games this series. And I think part of the reason is you know what? They played really bad game one. Game two, they should have won, and they didn't because ultimately players were put in a position that they weren't able to handle, and they came back to bite the Rangers in the ass. That you don't learn that lesson after what happened in Montreal drives me up the wall. If I made mistakes like that at my job, I would be fired. You get one. You get a single mistake. You learn the lesson. 
It's one thing if players were injured. It is another thing to pull a John Tortorella. And I'm referencing the triple overtime game against Washington where Stu Bickle played three minutes. Except the Rangers won that game. Marion Gabrick scored a goal. We were happy then. Uh, I don't know what more you can ask for Lundqvist. That people are blaming him in the first place is... uh, That is a thing. And those are the same people that seem to be protecting this coach. And look, I am admittedly not a Vigneault supporter. I am admittedly very hard on him. I do think he's a good coach. I just don't think he's the right coach. I think he has way too many flaws. Vigneault is in a position here where he's been given an opportunity to kind of step in and take a team that was close to the Stanley Cup, and he did that. But he did that when he had almost no control over the roster. And the minute he got his hands on it, the Rangers have gotten worse every year. Culminating in last year. And uh, second rounds or not, if the Rangers lose this series, it is an utter disappointment. And that's a weird thing to say because I would not have said that it was shocking for them to lose to Montreal. I will tell you right now, it would be shocking to lose to the Senators, especially if they lost to the Senators like this. And... I mean, it just is the way that it is. I I agree with both of you. I think the Rangers are going to win tomorrow. I think they're going to win game four, too. Just because I think they're too good not to in this series, so long as they play the right players. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, obviously, if they do what they could do. But this team has skill. They really do. They, They have an ability. And I just don't know at this point. I don't know what's going on in Mignot's head. I, 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 I don't know. And nobody in the media cares to ask, so you and I don't know. And it just is what it is. Um, all right, predictions. Ugh, ugh, God, I don't even know why I'm asking, because I don't even know what I'm going to predict. Although mm-hmm. when we did this last time... I changed my mind and they won. So I guess that means I have to say the Rangers are going to lose. But I changed my mind to they won and then they did win. I'm going to say the Rangers win in seven. I honestly think that they can. And that's if they do everything right. If they do everything wrong, they can get swept. I have no idea. I'm not really making a prediction now. I'm just saying things that could possibly happen. I may as well predict everything then. Um, Beth? Uh, I'm going to stick with Rangers in seven now more than ever. Um, I'm also, I'm also going to to add to the whole AV right coach for this team thing. I just don't feel like he's very imaginative. I feel like the game has changed. I feel like he knows how to do a couple of things really well, extremely well, probably. Um, But I don't feel like he's able to see the different possibilities of a particular set of very varied talents. I think there's so much talent on this team right now. I think it works in different ways. Um, And I think it's going to take someone with a more open mind about what the game can look like um, to really get their full potential out of them. Definitely more flexibility Um, but I'd really like to see, and I know the possibilities are limited. You can't just pick these people off trees, 
Um, but I'd, I'd really like to see somebody with more imagination because imagination is something that, that AB has not been a fan of. Innovation, initiative, we know that whole don't think thing um, that he's fairly famous for. And players do seem to be somewhat rewarded for not thinking. I'm not going to say outside the box because I really hate that phrase. Um, but, yeah, I, I really wish that um, we had someone who could just perhaps imagine a different set of, of possibilities. Um, but, yeah, let me say in seven, because I think it's going to be about as messy as it can be, but I do think they're going to pull it out. Michael? I think Daenerys wins the throne. It's my prediction. I have a feeling uh, that is my prediction for how Game of Thrones will end. Yeah. <laughs> what were, you, what were we talking about? Her and Jon Snow will fall in love and create this just army of invincible. I think it'll undead, be amazing. Fireproof, handsome people. I don't, I don't know if they're undead, but you know. Well, Jon Snow is. Well, we don't want to spoil anything for people. All right. If you, anyway, ho- hockey. He's um, not though. He can't be. Not the way that it works. Well. Good lord. We'll have to start up a a breakaway podcast yeah. about this. That's true. Um, Maybe we can uh, talk about ostriches and Game of Thrones and how an ostrich would rule in the Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, we can do a birdcast. About birdcast. Um, yeah, birdcast. Or Crittercast. Ooh, Crittercast. I like Crittercast. It's better than Rangers cast. Um, I still hold out hope that the Rangers can get this done. My, I think my first prediction was six games. This is not going to take six games now. Uh, if the Rangers get it, it'll be in seven. Asking them to, to run away with four straight here is asking a little bit too much. Uh, I would like to think that we see the best version of the Rangers show up at the Garden for games three and four, but you know it's it's been a pretty mixed bag uh, with with how you know how they've responded to kind of crap games, and I think we can safely categorize game two as a crap game, um, crap. especially in terms of its result and you know what happened in the defensive zone. So. I'm hoping it's still Rangers in seven. Uh, I guess so. Now I technically I'm joining the Beth bandwagon. I don't know how that works, but I'm on a different wagon now. That's all I know. There's been a shift of wagons. You've jumped from one wagon to Beth's wagon. Let's let's make clear that my wagon is a bandwagon. It is not the wagon because there's no way I cannot drink for the rest of the playoffs. Let's just be clear about that. No, you've become quite responsible for the wagon. Yeah, this is a teetotaling wagon. I was under the impression. Yeah. All no, right. Well, then your wagon is next to my wagon, but it's not the same wagon. No, it's got to be your wagon. We'll make a wagon. I I just yeah, heard myself was... echo, and I I just sound like a little bitch. And this. Oh, don't car. say that. Uh, well, I did. I heard it. It's your wagon, okay? Damn it. You're driving the wagon. We're all in the wagon now with you. You could drink. Is it illegal to drink and ride a horse? Is it illegal to drink and drive a horse? horse 
I know I that some know. people feed, like, horses drink beer. Something happened with horses and alcohol at some point. Like, sure, maybe. Maybe that's where or was that, driving came that, from. I know that Madam, what was her name, Joe? We were talking, Joe and I were talking about Harry Potter before the podcast because we're adults. Um, mm. Olymp, uh, the headmistress of Bow Battens, she fed her horses whiskey of some kind. Uh, yes, so I that's know exactly your what you're talking about. It was malt liquor. Yeah, that's your hard-hitting Rangers analysis for the night. There it is. <laughs> Apparently Crosby any... just got cross-checked in the head, by the way. Get get on yes. our wagon, even the horses are drunk. And yeah, someone killed Crosby, didn't they? Yeah, so, someone did, did kill Crosby, like... actually. Man, no, he's not back. killed Sid Crosby, which is he's, not okay. He's quite damaged, as they would say. Um... Oh, now the penguins are crashing into each other, apparently. Huh. Yeah, they hurt themselves. This game is, this whole thing is crazy. Well, it's ironic because this is what we talked about before the Senator series. Right, we wanted them to kill each other. Uh, yeah, they're going to yeah. beat the crap out of each other because that's what they're going to do. Which is just and one more reason why the Rangers can't shit the bed. They're doing it, and the Rangers are not doing what they are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh. Nobody I do listens. not understand. I don't get it. Joe. Yes. What's the best <laughs> blue-colored food you've eaten in your life? <sighs> Can it be... Well, I guess it would have to be, because it, it couldn't. I'm going to say a delicious mm. blue raspberry Italian ice. Oh, that's fair. What do you got for me, Beth? An authentic one, though. I've also eaten Smurf. Hey! Did you just say cake? Cake. Ooh, you know what? I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. I like that answer. Cake. Blueberry crumb. Ooh, blueberry pie. Yeah, nothing better than blueberry pie. Mmm, I make good pie. I make good pie, too. Maybe I'll make you guys a pie sometime. If the Rangers win, I'll make you a pie. No, then we're not oh, going to have pie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Joe. Michael, your food that is blue? Be not a food, Joe. Um, fun dip. Fun dip? Wow. It's interesting. Yeah. It's also just pure sugar. Yeah, it's hard to beat pure sugar, my friends. Yes, it is. It's a good point. Just like a definitive. Unless you're a diabetic, then, yeah. Um, but if you're a hummingbird, it's pretty good. Yeah, hummingbirds, they, they love sugar. They live on sugar. That was me uh, being a hummingbird. What, what were you oh, I, have, I, have a good, I have a better question that's not food-related. Okay. If the playoffs ended today, let's say a horrible virus broke out and all the NHL players got horribly, horribly, horribly sick and they had to cancel the playoffs, which Ranger would you say has been the team's MVP? It's Hank running away or someone else? Hank or Nash? Yeah, I was going to say Nash. Yeah, Hank or Nash. You can't. Yeah. 
you cannot understate just how good Rick Nash has been for this team, and his talents are, are wasted in these losses, because I think he's been the Rangers' best player top to bottom, and of course he's getting blamed for not burying that wraparound in overtime, but the Rangers should have never been in that position in the first place, so it doesn't matter. Oh, Joe's yeah, why, why is he blamed for a good defensive play made by Kyle Turris? He's blamed for everything. You're not allowed not to. If you're not blaming Rick Nash, you are not being a New York Rangers fan. Trade him. Unless Nash is like Charles Xavier mind powers. I don't think we Perhaps. can blame that one on him. What does that mean? Just like in uh it's just like in the Stanley Cup final when he had the wide open net and uh Oh god, who was the king? He was the guy who got uh Vonyos? The guy who got he was domestic what? abuse and said that that's the way that I'm remembering him. Oh Slava Voinov? Yeah, Vonyov. He remember Nash shot into the wide open net and Vonyov like blocked the puck at the last minute with the shaft of his stick. Uh-oh. And the yep. Rangers didn't win the game in overtime and everybody blamed Nash for that. And then it yep. was revealed that Slava Voinov is human garbage. Yeah, I remember yeah, those things. All that. Yeah, there you go. All true. If you wanted a ranger to bake you a cake, who would it be? Ooh. Mm. Hank, just because you would have to hand it to me. And I could say, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for it all. Who would be a good cook, though? That's a, such a good question. Uh, I remember a Rangers Town commercial where Zuccarello was a bad cook, so I'm going to assume it's not him. Yeah. I think Girardi would be a good cook. See, I have a weird feeling Kreider is a good cook. That is met with utter silence. I, don't know. I remember there was, there was an old... Uh, like get to know the Rangers thing where Haglin and someone else worked at like a, a soup kitchen for the homeless and it was very endearing but of course Haglin's not a Ranger anymore is he Joe? No he's a penguin a flightless bird God where he's a flightless legless bird right now isn't he? Uh, no yeah. I think he's playing tonight Ag- wasn't he? Oh, that's right. He's back. Okay, well, it's nice for him. Both. Huh. Mm. Mm. Well, they always talk about how they like to cook, and then they mention something they like to cook, and then it sounds awful. Like, I know Milzy mentioned that he liked to cook, and then he said he liked to make something with chicken and strawberries, and I was like, <laughs> um, that sounds mm. terrible. I don't know. Maybe he could make a cake. Maybe not right now, though. Now I want a cake. If if, right. if Miller or Hayes tried to make a cake right now, it would turn out as like a tire. Pie or cake? Pie. Cake all day, every oh. day. God, pie all the way. I, I like pie. cake, but comparatively, cake is awful compared to pie. It segregates its flavors. Pie is just spectacular. You've been eating the wrong cakes. You've been eating the wrong cakes. (laughs) 
Oh, this could go on for a while. Ooh. It could. It most likely would. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. If you uh, want to listen to this and think to yourself, huh, I should pay them money for what they're doing, that is what that's for. So go to Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Who, who said something? Was I said it, it was money that? for pie. I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, go money, on. Money for pie. I thought it was someone saying hi. Um, no. Cake. Twitter. No, no cake. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Um, cake or death. <laughs> uh, what did I say? Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Twitter.com slash DGPSP. <sighs> Twitter.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Blue Shirt Panther. Slash Blue Shirt Panther. Cake. You know what? Just go to Blue Shirt Panther thing. Hi. Cake. Cake. Beth is the whale. Yeah. No, you know what, Beth? No, you're not. Tonight, Mike is the whale because of this cake decision. Hey. See? Not Although fun, I will is say, it? Fudgy the Whale hi, cake hi, is hi. delicious. You know what? You know something I No one says I'm going. I'm defeated. I'm going to go eat a pie. People say I'm going to go eat some cake. Because that's yeah, how powerful they eat cake. Nobody says anything cake, like that. Cake can heal the soul. Pie for the cake winner. Cake can heal the stranger. That's what saves If you eat strangers. enough pie, cake. your soul never gets injured in the first place. Yeah. Pie. I, pie makes you different. I haven't seen little Jack Horner in years. He's dead. Pie didn't mm-hmm. preserve him. Well, that's because he ate cake. No, he, that's, <laughs> he ate pie. It's the whole His last meal was a cake. You don't yeah, know that. That's what well, I'm pretty I sure forced we know that. him pie until he, he, until he died. So I know what his last meal was. Hmm. Interesting. And then Stanley ate what was left. Stanley would eat cake or pie. He doesn't care. He'll That's eat because anything. Stanley's better than all of us? Uh, he is. Yeah, I tend to think that he is. I tend to think that he is. Well, podcast is good thing. Yeah, this has gone totally off the rails. Uh, we're going to figure out whether or not we're going to do the show next week. I'm in Europe. He's going to Europe. So. He's running away. You're going to get stabbed I, for cake in Europe. I could get stabbed. Think of this. Think of us. Nine out of ten Europeans stab over the cake pie debate. In favor of pie. I would um, imagine that Europe is pro-pie. I would think they are. I don't... I don't who would it's be very pro-cake? old world food. I think they're more pro-cake, actually, over there. Meal Fui. Don't you guys watch mm. Great, Great British Bake Off? No. Well, then again, Britain I've heard of Europe, it. My point, especially not anymore since the Brexit. Oh, Beth, you can't bring politics into this cake, cake, Exit. pie cake. <laughs> we, Joe, we didn't even mention Neil Pionk. Oh yeah, the Rangers signed a kid. Is that how you say his name, Pionk? <laughs> I'm picturing. Oh yeah, the Rangers signed a kid. How do we say his name? That's. That's why you people pay money for this podcast. Yeah. uh, It's actually funny because... uh, He's from Hermantown, uh, Minnesota. He is actually... No, he's not. I would argue he is one of the prized jewels of this free agent class that the Rangers got. And yeah, the Rangers signed some kid. So he's a right-handed defenseman. He could play tomorrow and maybe should play tomorrow. But he can't. It sounds like a Looney Tunes. It sounds like a Looney Tunes sound effect, Pionk. Pionk. 
Yeah, I'm just picturing a frog. He shoots right-handed. He's only 5'11", but as a 21-year-old sophomore at UMD, he had 34 points in 42 games. So, good things. He sounds like an excellent guy to sit on our bench for a really long time while Stalin doesn't play hockey. Oh, cake. Oh, Bethany. Everyone have some cake. You can't just end the podcast whenever you want. It's not the way that it works. Well, who ends the podcast? Normally you do. The podcast is over. Drunk with power again. Yes, the podcast is over. Goodbye. Get scurvy in Europe. Beth is a pie. Joe is a pie. Scurvy? Yeah, he wants me to get scurvy like an old pirate would. (laughs) Yeah, because you're going to go on a on a boat journey and you're not going to get enough vitamin C and you're going to get scurvy. Oh, I'm going to get vitamin C. In his pie. In, in my pie, that's right. Key uh, lime pie, perhaps? Yes, I mean, exactly. It have to be something citrusy. Yeah, there's lemon citrus and apple pie. Are there other citrus pies outside? Is lemon meringue? I'm sure there have to be citrus Blueberries pies. Blueberries are a superfood. What's the super food? Blueberries. Oh, blueberries, super food. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not a, berries aren't citrus, are they? They can't be. No, but I imagine if it's a superfood, it's like probably going to prevent the scurvy. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Joe, I hope your teeth don't fall out and you don't die like a pirate. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I hope I don't die at all, actually. Yeah. Um, they don't push you. Patreon.com. The crab. Go do it. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Have some cake. Cake. Huh? I'm sorry for this. I'm not sorry. Have some cake.